0: Welcome to the Watermark OC.church podcast. Thank you for listening. So we've been unpacking verse by verse, chapter by chapter, these incredible new blessings that we have when we place our faith and hope in the person and the work of Jesus Christ, his death and his resurrection. When we put our faith in him as our savior, as the lover and leader of our life, we are transformed and we become transformed from the inside out. We become new people. And we've been unpacking what that looks like. And and we've been praising God, as Paul does in the opening chapter. Praise be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every, in the heavenly realms, with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Uh, Paul uses that term over 20 times in this book alone. And he says all these blessings come because we have been united with Christ. We've been placed into his death. We've been placed into his resurrection. We are united with him because we put our faith in the good news of Jesus. And with all these blessings that we've been celebrating, there might be a question on your mind. Pastor, I love to come to church on Sundays. I love to hear the blessings that I'm, uh, I'm a new person in Christ and I've been given spiritual blessings and I have a new identity and I'm forgiven and all these wonderful things. But guess what? On Monday, it feels like a battle. You guys ever feel like a battle on Monday? You know, Manic Monday, the blues, anybody ever, ever you, guys, you guys are real Christians. I'm the only one that. Does anybody feel like there's a battle out there on Monday? Yeah. Okay, okay, let's be honest here. Yeah, sometimes Monday morning, it feels like a battle for me. And I know it feels like a battle for you as you go back to the workplace and face workplace challenges, right? As you go back to family and you, you, you got to deal with your marriage, you know, and the person that you said yes to, and that's a lot of work. You try to raise your kids in this wonderful place of blessing, but Orange County can be pretty crazy, especially when they become teenagers. You go, oh my gosh, this is crazy. This is a battle. Pastor, you talk about all these blessings, but what about when life feels like a battle? What about when there's disease and there's struggle and I'm fighting for life in a hospital? What about when there's difficulties and there's marriage challenges And we're in a huge battle and a fight. A date night becomes a fight night, a date fight. Do you hate that? You get a bill for 150 bucks and you thought it was a date night and you got a date fight and you got to pay for it. (laughs) That's the worst, right? What happens, you know? What happens? How do I deal with this? And you know what? I love the Apostle Paul because he ends his book with reality. Five chapters of blessing and in chapter six he says, but you know what? Be careful out there. Because there's a battle. All this blessing does not come without burden. All this change does not come without challenge. There will be a pushback. There is a battle of epic proportions. The reason that life feels like a battle is because it is a battle. We are in a supernatural battle, a spiritual conflict of epic proportions. Paul says, here's the final word. With all this blessing does not mean there's not a battle. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor. That's battle language, right? That's conflict language. You're in the army now, guys. Put on God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm, stand your ground against all the strategies, all the wiles, all the things That the devil, we're talking about the devil, yeah, we're talking about the devil. What are you talking about? The devil, yes, the Bible talks about the devil. The Bible talks about the fact that even though we're born again, we've been made new in Christ, we have a new identity, a new purpose, a new hope, a new future, all the newness, we're born into a battle. Many times after people become Christians, life becomes harder. What? What? Yes, many times after we become Christians, life can become harder because we're aware of the spiritual pushback, because we're leaning into stuff that God wants to deal with, and that's the stuff in our hearts. That's the stuff that sometimes is difficult to change and hard to deal with, and there is a pushback. We're dealing with things that are supernatural and spiritual, and eternity is on the line. We're aware that we're part of a bigger story now. And the good news, gospel means good news, and its original meaning in the first century world was that of a person that would be on the battlefield, that would be a, an emissary of the king, it would be a runner, it would be someone who was a herald, and when he found out that the king had won the battle, he would start running. And he, there, w- there was no texting, there was no Ben technology, there were no cell phones, there was no, there was no phone, and he would run to the city and he'd say, I've got good news, I've got news, the king won! And everybody would cheer because they'd know they were free. They weren't going to go into slavery. They weren't going to lose their city. They weren't going to lose all their stuff by being defeated by an enemy. That's good news. And the good news is that the victory has been won through Jesus Christ. That is the good news. He came and he lived a perfect life. He died a perfect death for our sins and our place. And when he died that death, he broke the one who has the power of sin and death in your life. He broke the power of the devil, the power of the enemy uh, uh, that rules your life through sin and destruction and death. He broke his power on the cross, and then when he rose from the dead, he proved he was God, and he won a great victory. And so we stand in this battle, we stand in victory. Because of everything that Jesus has done for us, we stand victorious, but the battle rages on. You remember D-Day? I love war movies. D-Day, Saving Private Ryan, D-Day, Omaha Beach. Guess what? The victory was won at D-Day. They said the war was won at D-Day, but the battle raged on, right? There was still a year or so where the, the, the allies had to come and invade and take out the enemy, and there wasn't a surrender for some time, right? There's a great analogy for this spiritual reality that we're in a spiritual conflict. The victory has been won, and yet we still experience a battle conflict, a pushback, and we have been called into this battle. God doesn't just beam us up, right? Beam me up. (laughs) I want to get out of this place. No, God leaves us here so that we might stand strong and partner with God so that others would receive the same victory, the same forgiveness, the same grace that we have. God has placed you in your neighborhood. God has placed you in your workplace, whether you're a lawyer, you're a doctor, you're a teacher, you're a student, uh, whether you're a mom, whatever place God has put you in your community, your workplace, your recreational recreational cycle of life, whatever I want to say there, God has placed you there so that you would stand strong in the challenges and the conflict and that you would point people to God. Because when you stand strong... When you put on the armor of God, when you're full of hope, when you're covered with peace, when you stand in righteousness, when, when, when you've got faith in God's word and you're standing in that, people are going to ask you, why, why are you strong? Where, where does your peace come from? How come, how come you have joy in the midst of this conflict? Where does that come from? And you'll have a chance to give an answer, to share your story. That's why God has you in this battle. And he has you here to encourage others, right? Because there's people in this room that are going to go into conflict. And Christianity is just not some spectator sport. We come and we hear some guy do a show on the weekend and we go to our individual lives. We go into our house, push the garage door up, put on my TV wand and watch and do my life my way. And then come back to church, wave at everybody, sing Kumbaya. That is not Christianity. Christianity is there's going to be a conflict and there's marriages that w- might go down in this room. There are teenagers that might go down. There's addiction that might take over. There's all kinds of things. Disease and death may visit a family and how are they going to stand if we're not willing to stand with them? If we're not willing to intercede for them? If we're not willing to walk with them, then how, how can the church be the church without that? And so this is written to a community A church that is called to stand together. This is all of us together. That's what the church is. It's the body of Christ being together, connected in the battle. And so we need each other in this battle. And so Paul says, be strong. This is is an epic struggle. The victory has been won, but stand strong in the power of God. A supernatural enemy, if you're going to defeat that enemy, if you're going to walk and live a victorious life, you need supernatural power skills you need supernatural strategies you need supernatural power that is the armor of god god has given you everything that you need through the gospel of jesus christ through the reality of who you are in christ to stand strong in the battle and paul is saying actualize that put that on live that out so that you can make an eternal difference stand your ground therefore put on the armor of god right it's been given to you, you have it, but put it on, use it, wear it, let it become a reality in your daily life. Put it on so that when the day of evil comes, not if the day of evil, you know, I used to think that I could, I could sort of bulletproof my life from evil, right? If I had enough money and finances, if I had the right, you know, alarm system If I got a conceal and carry permit and I was carrying my gun with me, if I had everything I needed in the right neighborhood, man, no evil is coming in, right? I used to think that. The Orange County bubble, and then the bubble burst, right? Then the bubble burst. Nobody, not if, but when, the day of evil will visit each one of us. We will have challenges. We will have struggles, and the enemy will use those challenges to attack God's purposes in our lives. Right, no one gets a hall pass. No one's immune. It's a part of our world. It's a part. Jesus said, "In this world you will have trouble, but fear not. I have overcome the world. The battle is real. The day of evil will come, but you can stand strong." And that's what Paul is talking about. Stand strong. Do everything to stand. Become aware of the enemy's devices in your life. We talked about this last week. This is a two-part series. If you want to catch up, last week we talked more about evil, the origins of evil, Satan, who he is, where he came from, that's on the podcast. You can go back and talk. we'll talk about that in the podcast and you can catch up. This morning we're looking at the answer to that, which is the armor of God. And so one of the things I gave to you last week was to become aware of the reality of spiritual warfare and Satan's attack on your life. You know, he has a host of demons, their powers and principalities, they've organized and they attack you through the world, a system of ideas and thoughts that are outside the realm of God's goodness and grace. He attacks you through the world, he attacks you through the flesh, because evil just isn't outside of us, it's inside of us too. And he wants to aggravate your flesh. He wants to use deception. Here's his two favorite pitches. He's got a fastball and a curveball. And guess what? He doesn't need any other pitches because it always works, right? <laughs> he throws a fastball, he throws a curveball, he strikes people out all the time. And so if you look through scripture, you can see here's here's his two best pitches. Satan's two best pitches are temptation. That's the fastball. That's Genesis 1, Genesis 3. Fastball, right? Temptation, eat the fruit. You can become God on your own. There's something better than God. God's plan for your life. There's something better than God's goodness. Doubt God, trust yourself, trust your power, trust your own energy. You can become God on your own. You know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and make it happen on your own. This lie, and when Satan brings that fastball of temptation, he's saying, you need to have a higher view of yourself. You're better, man. You're better than that guy. You're better, you know, you deserve it, man. You deserve this money, so Get it, man. You deserve this stuff, man. You've worked hard. You're better than that. You're better than that. Come on. You deserve it. Go ahead and take a risk. Have some fun. Nobody's going to know. Nobody's going to find. Hey, man, this is Vegas. Everything that happens, it all stays here. Nobody's going to find out, right? It's this lie to think that, man, I'm bulletproof. I'm better than. It's pride at the core of it, and it hides the holiness of God from you, right? What did God say? You eat this fruit and you're going to die. Oh, no, you won't die. Nobody's going to find out. You know, click it on, have a fun fix, man. Nobody's going to find out that you went to that website. Nobody's going to find out that you had this encounter at work, right? Nobody's going to find out. You deserve it, right? That's the lie of betterment. That's the fastball of temptation. The second, his curveball is accusation. His curveball is to make you think less of yourself than God thinks of you. Right? His curveball is to hide God's love and to get you to condemn yourself, right? Oh, man, you blew it again? That's the last time, man. God can't forgive you for that one. You know, the, he, he gave you 70 times, but you go over 70, it's over, man. Oh, you're not a Christian. Christians don't do those kind of things. If you were a Christian, you wouldn't do it. God, you know, you're outside. God's going God's to get you on that one. You're going to pay the price for that one. You are condemned. God's abandoned you. You're worthless. He couldn't redeem you. You're hopeless, man. Take your own life and take care of society. I, I, I talked to a man yesterday, homeless man, and guess what? He's believing the lie that he should take his life. That's what he's dealing with, because he, he doesn't see hope. He doesn't see the future. And he's judging himself. It would be better for me to die. That's that lie of self-condemnation to the core, right? That's Satan's curveball and his fastball. How does he pitch at you? What does he throw at you? What are his devices? What kind of technology? Is it the TV? Is it your cell phone? Is it the friend? Is it a coworker? How is he spinning the lies? So you'll take them into your mind and start to weave a false narrative. You talk about false news. Satan wants you to believe in a false narrative and false news to destroy God's purposes and plans for your life. And he uses temptation and accusation to take you out. So become aware of that. Understand where your weaknesses are. And gain strength in the power of God. Right? Know the particular vices he uses on me, you. Because for me, it's self-condemnation. That's been a big thing in my life, right? I believe the lie that I am not enough. I believe the lie that my decisions of failure are going to cause huge consequences. I believe the lie that I'm not usable to God. I walk away from the challenge, I walk away from courage, I walk away, I try to medicate myself with something else because I'm less than, I'm a failure, and I deserve judgment and condemnation. Man, that's the cycle that Satan wants to get me with. And I, I'm aware of that. It's the performance lie, right? You've got to perform to earn God's love, you've got to perform to earn people's God's love, and when you don't perform and you don't produce, you're judged. You're unlovable, you're not worthy, you're less than. Look at that dude's church, Bucky. Look at how many people are going to that guy's... Look at his website, man. Oh, man. If you had a... Where's your smarts, man? Where's your website? Where's your big church? How many people came to Christ in your... Let's count the numbers. Oh, my gosh, Bucky. You're a failure. You're not a leader. If you were a real leader, you would have this kind of church. If you were a great preacher, you'd have his personality. Right? The Condemn yourself. Walk away. You can't make a difference. That's what happens to me many times on Monday morning. When the lies come knocking at my door and I face the battle. What's the strategy? The strategy is the gospel. The gospel is your armor. And let's just look at some of the gospel pieces that God has provided for you that I have to put on Monday mornings, right? They're truth. The gospel is just not a truth in heaven, right? I believe in Jesus, therefore I'm saved. I go to heaven when I die. That's not just the gospel. The gospel are truths That become armor in your daily battle, in your daily challenges. When you take those truths and you wrap them into your brain, when you cover your heart, when you move your desires towards those truths and you form your your heart and your thinking around those truths, they become armor in the daily battle of life. Right? The gospel is just not some faraway fairy tale that I've got my fire insurance policy and I'm all good. No matter what I do here, everything's great. The gospel is God's truth that you can put on every day that covers you in the battle of life. And Paul's just looking at a Roman soldier. He's in prison. He's looking at a Roman soldier and he's going, Wow, that's the greatest army and the most powerful thing, but God has given me a greater power. He's given me gospel armor and I can stand in this prison and I don't have to be afraid of what's going to happen. I don't have to be afraid of the outcomes because I'm standing in the armor of God and I'm going to do what God calls me to do, stand strong and proclaim the goodness of God. And that's the armor that God has given you every day. And so Paul starts to talk about that armor and he talks about three foundational pieces of armor, right? Every soldier, whether they're going to the mess hall whether they're out doing reconnaissance stuff, whether they're just setting up a camp, whether they're planning strategy. Every soldier puts on this armor, whether the battle is fierce or in front of them, or whether they're just on daily routine duty. This is basic stuff that God has given you that you are continue to stand in and walk in and become aware of in your daily life. Stand firm then with what? The belt of truth that God's already given you. buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness covering over you, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Stand firm in the truth of the gospel, right? The gospel has brought you into the true narrative, right? The true reality, right? Every day the world wants to tell you your narrative is a scientific, natural narrative. That's what wins the day in America, education science right we do the numbers we do the math we come out with the outcomes it's natural it's scientific and that's your narrative guess what the narrative is you came from nothing you are a random chance accident just because this bang came through random chance things and you evolved from nothing into this form of species and guess what you're going to nothing this, this earth is going to burn out and because of global warming it may be happening faster than we think. Our only hope is the mission to Mars. That's the scientific narrative because there is no spiritual reality. You came from nothing, you're going to nothing. When you die, there is nothing. Therefore, there is no meaning ultimately, there is no morality. That is the scientific narrative that the world wants you to live out every day. What's the other false gospel? Hedonism, right? Right? Orange County is about you, consumption, right? It's all about you. You're the center of the world, and as much as you can get, as much as you can earn, as much as you can own, as much happiness as you can find, that is life. That is the hedonistic, false gospel, the consumer gospel that we live with. We get bombarded with every day in Orange County. The educational system forms our kids around a false narrative. The the media forms are, are about a false narrative, and we become... These people that live out a false story, and the true gospel takes us out of that, right? I came from something, I came from God, I was created by a good father, I was created in the image of God, right? I walked away from God, and that's called sin, and that produces death, that's why this unnatural thing that happens, this death that tears and steals and destroys, is something that is wrong and unnatural, but God, my father, did not leave me there. He sent his son to rescue me from that death, and he brought me to a place of forgiveness and love. He adopted me as his child. I have a hope in a future. I'm going to stand in that narrative. Every day I'm going to put on that truth. So when the lies of Satan come to me and says, you're nothing, you're going to nothing, you're going to die, you're worthless, when the deception comes that there's something better than God's story, I can stand in the truth of God, right? That's the gospel. I need to preach the gospel to myself every day. I need to stand and renew my mind in the gospel every day. That's where I came from. That's where I'm going. That's the belt of truth. It's a covering. It's a leather kind of piece of armor that they put and they wrapped it around the belt. And it tucked everything in. There's no untucked in the war, right? Bucky looks cool. He's untucked today. But when you go into battle, there's no untucked, man. And you can't have your life untucked out there. Without answers, without a story, without meaning and purpose. And there's so many people that just wandering out there with an untucked life and they're letting the world tell them their story and they're letting the, the, the educators tell them where they came from and what reality is. And they don't have a truth to stand in that's bigger than that. We need a bigger story than that. And that's the gospel. And God's stand firm in that story. Every day, the belt of truth, the blessed pride of righteousness. See, when Christ died for you, he covered you with his righteousness. You know, when Jesus sees you, he sees you as his brother or sister. When the Father looks at it, you are the beloved child of God. You are righteous, you are holy because of Christ. Not because of your self-righteousness. Every, you know the three common lies in Orange County are? You are, your identity, your worth comes from what you own, what you can buy, right? What you can produce. Your self righteousness makes you worthy in Orange County. Your self righteousness makes you acceptable. The lie of religion is you can make yourself by going to church, by doing these religious things, you can work your way to God, right? That is a false lie and a deception, right? The truth is you stand in the righteousness of Christ. He has made you holy, and you can stand in that righteousness against the storms of self condemnation and deception. He has covered you with his own righteousness. You stand in a place of holiness. You stand in a place of acceptance, right? That's how you stand firm in the battle, right? I am righteous and holy. I'm beloved in Christ. The shoes. The shoes are peace, right? The peace of the gospel. We stand in preparation because of the peace. The gospel brings us into peace. We have peace with God. We're reconciled to God. We are not God's enemies, We're friends of God. We sung about that this morning. I'm a child of God. I'm accepted by God. I can run into God's presence as a beloved child and say, Abba, I have peace. He's my father. I stand in this place of peace. I don't have to fear God. God's not angry. He's not out to get me. That's the lie, right? The lie is God's a judgmental God. He's going to curse you and condemn you. He's an angry God. No, you have peace with God. You are his beloved child. I stand in a place of peace, and that can cover me. When the storm hits, right? That can cover me when the lies start flying. That can cover me, you know, when I need the peace of God, when my circumstances don't make sense, when I lose my job, when the market goes down, when all circumstances are not peace, I can have the peace of God because I stand covered with the peace of God. You see, all these are pieces of armor that are not just for eternity. They're armor that you can put on every day as you renew your mind, as you change your thinking, as you order your life around that piece. I can have peace with God. I can surrender my life. I know that God is with me in this battle. Three great pieces that you put on every day. But what about when the uh, arrows start flying and the battle rages hot? Paul goes on to to talk about three other things that we can grab right away. When the conflict gets, when you get a zinger, right, an email, dude, you know, you're fired. You're worthless. When you get an email that says, hey, Bucky, that sermon was terrible. Please don't send that tomorrow. That sermon was terrible. I'm out of this church, man. And the Satan says, you're a failure. Your church is going down the tubes. It's over. When you look at the offering and go, oh my gosh, it's not enough. We're not going to make it. And the zinger comes and I start tumbling down. What do I grab? What do you grab onto when you find out you have cancer? What do you grab onto when your wife says, I want a divorce? What do you grab onto when your teen is addicted or you find pornography on their phone? How do you grab when that battle hits hot and you're attacked in your identity and your purpose and you feel worthless or the enemy says, it's all over for you? What do you grab onto? Paul says you grab onto the shield. In addition to this, take take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows when they're coming right into your face. When the arrows are coming down, grab the shield of faith right there. It's available for you. Take the helmet of salvation. Put it on. Take the sword of hope and stand firm and proclaim the word of God. You have tools that are right available when the conflict becomes heavy, when it's hand-to-hand, life and death. You have these tools that are right there for you. The shield of faith. The Roman shield was about four feet by two. That's the shield that this is describing, the bigger shield, covered with leather, treated so arrows that came to it would be distinguished extinguished. And these shields, they would move forward together. But the thing about these shields is they would lock shields with the other soldiers that were moving forward with them. So it would be a shield of soldiers. It would be a wall moving forward. This is what we miss in Orange County. Your faith It's been given to you so you would lock it with somebody in the room next to you. Your faith has been given to you because you've been placed in a community of faith. And when the battle is hot, who are you going to call? Who are you going to connect with? Who are you going to walk with? Do you have a place? Do you know Christian people? Do you have community to walk with you so that you will not be alone in the battle? Oh, this is so huge. So huge for me to phone somebody when the battle rages hot and ask for prayer and let them help me renew my faith in the hope of God's promises because my mind is full of stinking thinking. And I need somebody to help me think rightly about God. I call an elder. I don't minister alone. I minister with a team of elders. And these men got my back, and I have their men, and we text regularly, we talk about battles, and we pray for one another, and God covers us. We stand with one another in prayer. We talk, we confess our struggles, we walk together. Do you have that kind of community in your life? I don't know how people get through without that kind of community, right? There's no way I would have ever got through the death of my son, Going to the hospital for nine months with this battle raging without a Christian community of people that prayed for me, that worshipped with me, that told me the truth of God and stood with me in that conflict. That's ready. That's what this community is about. That's what investing in the church is. It's finding community. It's getting in a group. It's walking through people in relationships. That is the shield of faith. The helmet of hope right, so it says salvation, other places it says hope, is that we put our, pl- our, our trust in something that is yet to come. And it's way better than the reality that we experience right here. And so when, when things are going hard and you feel like, man, there's been a huge loss, you lose a loved one like a child like I did, you, you, you lose somebody that you love, you lose your job, you lose a deal, and you think it's over, it's all coming crash. you think it's done. And you put on that hope and you realize this is just a temporary thing. This place is not my home. This place is not my future. And Jesus is going to come back someday. That's his promise. He's going to set things right. When I've been blown apart by injustice, and somebody takes me out of my business because of, they lack integrity. I stand in that hole. There's a woman that I'm talking with. It's a Christian woman. She's running a business. One of her partners just totally ripped her off, totally took money from her, took, is, is threatening her business might go down, and she's going, uh, Pastor, I'm just, I'm just standing in hope. I know there's a purpose here. I know God's going to work this out for good. And I know that if I stand and I continue to walk with God, there's something better in the, that's in the future. That's hope. It only comes from God. That only comes from the gospel. It's not wishful thinking. Because we know that God raised Jesus from the dead. We have a living hope. We know that he's going to return. We know that these are momentary afflictions. And one day God's going to set that right. So we can stand firm and have hope, even in the most difficult times, the helmet of hope. And finally, the sword of truth. The sword of truth that we can answer Satan's lies because when the the attack gets heavy, it's going to go right at your identity, right at your calling, right at your purpose. And so having the belt of truth is like, yeah, that's this... Christian worldview, that's the fact that I know God's truth, I know the Bible, I'm standing in it, but the sort of truth are specific truths that are exactly for the the hand-to-hand conflict that you're in. Do you have five or six scriptures? This is what I want to challenge, this is your homework for this week. Last week is what are Satan's devices? How does he attack me? Self-condemnation, right, for me. Monday morning, many times the attack is heavy, you know? Uh, he does it through texts and email when somebody texts me something or I hear news. That's Satan's devices in my life. I need to protect myself, right? And how do I do that when the battle's hot? I pull out some scriptures that I've memorized. Have you, have script- have you ever memorized scripture? I want to challenge you to grab some scriptures that are specific to the lie that Satan is coming right at you, that he's pushing at you right when the battle is hot. You're less than, you're no good. You're worthless. God's abandoned you, you know? The lie of self-condemnation. Oh, gosh, you know, this sex and porn, that's way better. You know, hey, he lies to you about porn. He lies to you about alcohol, you know? Alcoholics understand this battle. It's Christians that don't understand this battle. Alcoholics phone a friend. Alcoholics know they can't live without another drink. It's Christians that go, I don't need this stuff because everything's good with the gospel. And, hey, I'll try it maybe later. But, hey, this stuff is for everyday life we got to have truth, and we got to grab that truth. And here's some of the truths that I grab onto when the battle's hot and heavy in my life. These are condemnation things, right? And so, guess what? Ephesians 1, 4, and 5, I've, I've memorized that. I remind myself of who I am. I've been adopted. I've been chosen. I'm a child of God. For he chose me before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless. I stand holy and blameless before my father, the king, and that's the way he sees me. And guess what? I'm adopted as his beloved son. I, I sit in that when the battle's hard. "Father, you love me. Abba, I belong, I belong to you, Father. I trust you. I trust you with the outcomes. I trust you because I'm yours. you know That's spiritual battle. right? Here's another one. There is no condemnation for those --I'm not going to believe that lie. Get out of here. God is not condemning me, so why am I taking that and condemning myself? I'm not trusting in the goodness of God. Throw that condemnation out. That is not true. Get thee behind me, Satan. Get out of here. Get out of my mind. Don't give mind space to Satan. He wants to rent space in your mind and destroy your life with lies. What about when I blow it? Ah, if I confess my sins. He's faithful. He's just. It's not about me. He has forgiven me. I take it to the cross. I remember who he is and what he's done. See, that spiritual battle. Do you have some verses that you've memorized, that you can pull out. The sword's right there, boom. I got verses in my life that I can pour out that go right to the core issues that I'm dealing with in my life, right to the attack. That's why God has given you his word. For in Christ Jesus, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. And Paul ends his letter and says, guess what, guys, this is all about God. This is all about prayer. This is all about standing in God. This armor is not about willpower You don't power up with will. This armor is about God in your life. And so he ends with prayer. Pray in the spirit. How do we put the armor on? By praying in the spirit. By praying these truths. By claiming the word of God. How do we stand in the armor? By being secure in these truths. And then when God makes us secure, we can pray for others. Right? Pray for the battle in others' lives. You're going to see it and God's going to show you a battle at work. With your co-workers, God's going to show you a battle that your kids are going through. God's going to show you a battle for your neighbor. And you're going to be able to intercede and pray for their lives. And those prayers are making a difference in the battle. They're going to open up an opportunity for you. Right? Why are you standing strong? Because God's going to open up an opportunity. Right? Because I stood strong with Kathleen. What was the opportunity? Uh, the doctors at Long Beach Memorial Hospital, Grand Rounds, 120 doctors. Hey, Bucky, would you come? Would you, we saw you go through this battle. We saw you lose your son. Would you come and talk to us about the death of a child? How we can help parents? And Kathleen and I got to stand there and just say, The reason we appreciate all you doctors, you've been so loving, you've done so much. But there's a point where science doesn't have answers. And I'm not standing on science, I'm standing on the gospel of Jesus Christ. My son is with the Lord. We're going to see him again, and I have peace because of that, even though I grieve. And that's my hope. And parents need spiritual counsel just like they need scientific counsel. That's why you've got to bring in the chaplain. That's why you've got to bring in the holy man, so they can counsel people beyond the grave because people need hope and they need more than that. And so I got a chance to proclaim the goodness of God in that place because of the gospel, because I had an armor on. And God has given that armor to each one of us. And that's the good news. And we can put that on every day. So as we close our service this morning, I just want to ask you, the band's going to come up, where are you at with the armor of God? Do you understand? The first thing you've got to do is you've got to recognize there's a battle. Are you, have you owned the fact, you know there's 50% of Christians in America don't even believe in Satan or spiritual warfare. That's the barn research. 40 per 50% of people that go to the church and say they believe in God don't even believe in this stuff. This is hocus-pocus this is just an archaic old stuff. The question is, do you even believe there's a battle? Because Paul says there is. That's the first thing you've got to deal with. Is there a battle, or is this all hocus pocus? Recognize that there's a spiritual battle. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to make too much of Satan. Don't make too little of him, though, right? Most people think he doesn't exist. That's his greatest strategy, to get people to believe that he doesn't exist. And then he can work his way and do his work best. So recognize there's a battle The second thing is renew your mind. Take these gospel pieces and renew your mind and the truth of how you stand and what the gospel means to you in everyday life. And the third thing is resist Satan. Stand with the word of God. Stand in prayer. Stand with people and resist them when the battle hits. And you've got the armor to do that. And so as we come to the communion table, we remember that God gave everything right? God gave everything so that you could stand strong in the battle of life. God gave his son Jesus so you don't have to fear death, right? You are secure in the good news of Jesus. God gave his son Jesus so that you could be free and forgiven, so that there would be no condemnation in your life so you could stand in righteousness and hope, so that you could have a future that there's life beyond the grave and I'm going to be in eternity forever. God gave his son so that you could take in this meal and remember and be thankful that you are free, and so that you would stand in the battle, that you would go out there after this service, remembering his body and blood, and you would stand strong for your neighbors and your friends, for those people that don't know Jesus. You know? For my friend Joanne, who was my hairdresser, who at Baby Buggy's funeral said yes to Jesus Christ, she's in eternity forever because of the gospel. And that's why we stand strong, because it's an eternal hope, and we're playing a way bigger game here than just money, power, and success. It's a way bigger game here, and God has given us victory. Let's remember that victory by thanking Him for His body and blood, by taking that in, By praying and asking him to help us in the battle. What battle are you facing that you need his help? And let's celebrate his goodness in our life. Bow with me. Father, thanks for this morning. Thanks for everyone who came here. Thank you for your body and blood. We remember that, Lord. As we take the bread and the cup, we remember your sacrifice. This is not about us. It's about you. And we receive your grace, your mercy. Strengthen us with this meal Strengthen us with the reality of the gospel. Help us to put that on and to live that out in the battles of life. We thank you. We thank you for the victory. We celebrate your victory in Jesus' name. We have four stations as we worship and close our services. Just take a piece of bread, dip it in the cup, and say, Jesus, thank you for your victory. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for the gospel that saves me. And let's celebrate his goodness here this morning. To find out more about us, go online to watermarkoc.church.